Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dini. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I traveled to all these interviews from Barcelona. And our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. Hello, big interview listeners. For Backpage, I'm Neil White, and you are about to hear a Q&A Champions League special with Graham Hunter. Two things to tell you before we start. One, the questions, as always, came from our socios, our supporters' trust, if you will, at Patreon. If you want to find out more about that club or join, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Number two. This was recorded by necessity right at the end of a very busy trip to record the upcoming interview with Alan Smith, he of Anfield 89, Sky TV and FIFA. It's great, it's coming soon. But this was done in a corner of Luton Airport before we headed our separate ways, Graham and I. So there's a little bit of background noise and I really hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment. Okay, here's our show. Okay, Graham, here we go. Let's start with Socio Marin Myrtle, who asks, what has made Real Madrid so good in the Champions League these past five years? Do you think they're done now that Ronaldo is gone? She doesn't think so. Marin says that people seem to be quick to dismiss the most experienced Champions League team around and one that's still led by proven game changers like Bale and Ramos. Yeah, look, I mean, that point about people being quick to say impossible... Uh, won't happen probably includes me and I know I've taken a very firm position on this that what made Real Madrid utterly exceptional in the Champions League was how Ronaldo got them there to the final that is after which it wasn't always him that won it for them and Merrin knows enough as a good socio and as somebody we've spoken to before on the Q&A that I don't have to spend much time building up the founding stones of this argument and that you don't win the Champions League unless you have 
a squad with a depth of quality whereby the bumps that everybody else talks about, one bad day, one bad refereeing decision, one bad injury, one bad suspension, and you're out. Romanid are inured against that because they've such an extraordinary depth of quality, not just spending or anything like that, of quality, so that if Nacho comes in for Marcelo or Ramos or Carvajal, it's not going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference. And if Kiko Casilla previously was playing instead of Kayla Navas for a game or so, wouldn't matter if Ronaldo wasn't scoring, then Bale or Benzema or Asensio or Isco would. Merrin knows this. For those that are listening to Merrin's question and my answer, I think it's a basic that once you build that structure whereby you're in a jumping off spot where you can leap to the final and win it, then the special attitude comes in. And that's definitely above the spending, above the depth of quality, the focus on this is our trophy. It's like energy release, it's like Barocca. You know, you're feeling a bit mouldy of a morning, you put your Barocca in your water, it fizzes away, you, you drink it, and it's some sort of time release. It gives you benefits at the right point of the day. That's what Madrid are like. Easy group? Okay. We'll knock six at the park, we'll qualify quickly and then concentrate on something else. Difficult group? We'll fight to the death, we'll claw our way through. It doesn't matter if it's the last kick at the last ball in the group stage, we'll get through. Refereeing decisions with us, refereeing decisions against us. We're ready, we're up for this. Everybody in our opponent's squad fit or a big injury, we'll treat it exactly the same. These are rare tendencies to be as fast on beautiful road conditions or as fast on a lumpy farm track. That's what Madrid do. The matter drawn badly away from home in the quarters, drawn badly away from home in the semis, a team they hate, a team they fear, a team that are better than them. Breaks have gone their way. But in sport, when that happens repeatedly, that is usually the product of remorselessness, relentlessness. And the players mentally know how to deal with the demands of the Champions League, particularly coming around at a point in the season when they're saturated. There might be a summer tournament coming up. They might have played their way to the cup final. They might be neck and neck with Barcelona or Atleti for the title, but there's a readiness. There's a priority put on winning that trophy again. And therefore, um, that's what's happened. And that you don't need another explanation. When I look at certain fans in Spain saying referees were with them, UEFA wanted them to do it, Arturo Vidal, I'm pretty sure, came to Barcelona and immediately said, well, if VAR had existed in the Champions League over the last few seasons, Madrid would have three fewer Champions League. All right, very good, very good. Yeah, it's all been luck and refereeing decisions and a following wind and nothing else. I don't think so. And therefore, like Marin says, to completely dismiss Real Madrid simply because Cristiano Ronaldo's gone and because no club has ever won the competition four times in a row is wrong. My argument is that, one, the special font of really big goals that gets them there has disappeared. And you won't see people articulating this, Marin. The focus of the club is on winning the title. Their title record in Spain is atrocious. They haven't won it nearly often enough. They're sick to death of Barcelona winning it. Lopetegui is a very shrewd guy who I think realises that he's actually got a pardon. He's got a free pass not to win the Champions League this year. He'll get after it. They'd love a double. Remember when they won the double a couple of years ago in Zidane, it was the first time I think since... 1967 that they've been champions of Europe and Spain at the same time they find it really hard to do as brilliant as they are as dominant in the Champions League as they are they find it hard to conquer their country and Europe at the same time 
Philip Ortega will have a tilt at that, but the priority at the club is to be Spanish League champions. And what I've learned in the elite clubs I cover, at least, is when you've got a good squad capable of winning a tournament and they declare it as an objective, it's almost like if you don't have a dream, you won't have a dream come true. But when a team focuses, it's like the kickers in NFL or rugby when they go like, and they visualise the ball going through the posts. That's what happens when a really great squad says, that's our target this season. And that's why I think that probably Madrid's focus being on the league will undermine them slightly. And I think that while they should be top four in the Champions League, I think this season, maybe it's somebody else's turn. Let's talk about another one of the Spanish entrants. I'm going to tie two questions together. Ian Gardner's one is relatively blunt. Do you think Valencia will qualify from Group H? Richard Cook wants to know a little bit more about that group and groups like it. He talks about these groups with one sort of super club mm. and then two other serious contenders. Mm. Wonders about the ranking system that sometimes gives us these groups that are kind of bloodthirsty. He says sometimes match day six can be a dead rubber, but there are a few groups this time that look as though they're going to go right down the wire. And mm. I think Richard's a United fan. He wants to talk first about Juve, United, Valencia. Mm. And in respect to Ian, can we start with Valencia? How do you see them? Ian's question is interesting because it's clearly quite a tough test for them because they've got Juventus, Manchester United. Here's my point about Valencia and potentially coming through the group. One, Manchester United are not easily dismissed at all. But in recent seasons under Mourinho, they were taken to the absolute brink of elimination by Celta Vigo. Having been at Balaidos, Manchester United outplayed Celta and should have killed the tie, didn't. Baritzel's side came to Old Trafford and gave Mourinho's United an absolute footballing lesson. Following which, United at the Nervion against Seville last season is something that, Ian, you've heard me talk about before. Neil and I have certainly talked about it a lot. The nil-nil draw there counted on the keepers having really brilliant games. And although the standout save was De Gea from Luis Muriel just before half-time. It's also the case that, you know, Sevilla needed to produce several good tackles and saves in that instance until they came on top in the, in the second part of the second leg. I think what I'm saying is that that part of the Sevilla United game was relatively well-balanced, and Scott McTominay had had such an impact on me that night and was very, very good. And what happened at Old Trafford was that the bigger budget was completely negated. The fact that Mourinho had a team which should have dispensed for Sevilla never once looked likely, and that was because the footballing idea of Sevilla and how they played in Manchester that night was centuries ahead of Manchester United. It exposed Mourinho as well as his players. And when Ben Yedder came on and made such an impact and the couple of goals that went in meant that United were out long before the final whistle came, it continued a pattern across the Celta Vigo game and it's a pattern that's not impossible that we might see continuing this time because the group includes young boys, which is, you know, I think a tie which each of the other three teams facing properly with the right intensity, they win that. I've seen enough of Swiss football to know that if you underestimate them, if you let the crowd get on top of you over there, then there's enough competence and quality in the Swiss league that you can catch a cold. If you pay attention, if you play your top players, young boys maybe get three points at maximum of four. Valencia, I think, have an advantage in that they start at home at the Mestalla against a Juventus side which 
well, they're winning under Maxi Allegri at the moment. They've looked, to my understanding of it, a little bit ring rusty, a little bit slow. There's a big, big debate about Dybala and Allegri and whether Allegri is using Dybala properly and therefore just painting a picture. Juventus are not at ramming speed yet. I think that Valencia at the Mestalla are a powerful, throbbingly aggressive side, hostile fan base. Geddes had time since signing to get match fit and to start that match. They've got a brilliant choice of strikers up front in Santimina, Batshuayi, but above all, Rodrigo, who's in the absolute ultimate moment of his career, where his movement, his confidence in the ball, the quality of goals that he's scoring. Condogbia, who missed the last league game, Ian, should be fit. So I'm building up to a point whereby I like Valencia's chances to be competitive in terms of putting one of Juventus and Manchester United out. One year in under Marcelino, I think it's still relatively early in the project. It is the case that Diacabi, who Neil and I saw playing for Valencia, a man mountain of a footballer, bought from Lyon and who'd only come into the Lyon team when Samuel Titi left. Therefore, he's young and raw, but big and clever, and there's the makings of a very good footballer there. He's got to show that he's ready for this kind of Juve, Manchester United Champions League test. Neto, who has not been on the form he showed the first six, seven months of last season, needs to have a very big game. Piccini, the Italian fullback, who's been caught out twice in Valencia's disappointing start to the season, needs to raise his game or be replaced. But overall, do I believe that Valencia have a possibility of putting Juve or Manchester United out of this group? I do, and I'm not speaking purely through optimism. Analytically, I think it's a big ask for still a relatively fledgling team. But the quality, the fitness and the team ethic are all present. And in that instance, not only am I going to be covering that group, I'm going to be looking forward to it very much indeed. Staying with Juventus, we have an audio question coming all the way from the beautiful island of Iona. Finley McDonald, you're up. Hi there. I was just wondering, how much of a difference do you think Cristiano Ronaldo will make to Juventus this season? He obviously loves the tournament and scores goals for fun in the Champions League. Will he be the difference between them making semi-finals, finals or possibly winning it this year? Thanks, keep up the good work, cheers. Finley, welcome back. Nice to chat to you again. I know you're a long-term socio and a long-term supporter. I, I'm just going to not claim to be um, any kind of clever clogs, but I do tend to have firm views and talk in capital letters. And Finley, I don't trust Juventus to win the Champions League. Yes, Ronaldo will make a difference because he's there on a mission. But the mission is that kind of self-centred, selfish mission that is actually very good for the club he's at. His calculation is absolutely clear that familiarity breeds contempt and therefore doing anything else at Real Madrid, World Club Champions, Champions League, doesn't guarantee him Ballon d'Or. But the, the sexiness of doing a seed orphan, going to another club and winning the Champions League for a record equaling time because only Paco Hento has won the Champions League or that, that competition more than Cristiano Ronaldo. Paco Hento was six, Cristiano Ronaldo with five, four at Real Madrid, one at Manchester United. It's much sexier, Finley, if for those who are lured into voting in particular ways, based on trophies particularly, if he goes to Juventus and brings them a trophy that they haven't won since the mid-90s, which they lost after because their first such trophy was obviously won at Heysel and I remember when I went there with Tommy Burns talking to Lippi about the virulent need they felt around that club 
to erase the stain of our only win was at high school and people died and we don't feel good about it and just for our psyche we need a we need a trophy that comes in happier circumstances now they did that against Ajax but they haven't done it since and we're moving on towards quarter of a century so the, in football fable the idea of uh, the dashing Portuguese prince arriving in Turin and walking on the River Po and, and bringing them the, the trophy is, is very marketable that's Cristiano Ronaldo's aim his aim to have won the trophy at three different clubs is a very smart shrewd move and he figures that He's never won a treble, and, and Messi has, and Xavi has, and blah, blah, blah. And there is a possibility of uh, UB winning domestically, whether Cristiano Ronaldo is exceptional or not. And I think his goal total in Syria, I actually back what Raul Albiol said, Napoli defender, that because defending is still a different concept in Italy, and because it's a new setup at Juventus with players who know him a little bit less, I think overall, Cristiano Ronaldo will probably score fewer goals domestically this season. In the Champions League, I don't think it makes a damn bit of difference to him whether he's playing in the Champions League for Juve or Real Madrid, particularly if Real Madrid use their resources properly. My worry is that when Allegri has had the opportunity to win the Champions League twice, one in the final in Berlin against Barcelona, one in the final in Cardiff against Real Madrid, circumstances have conspired to put a magnifying glass on their deficiencies. And I don't think that the squad today, Finley, is better than it was in Berlin or better than it was in Cardiff. And for that reason, I disbelieve that Ronaldo simply alone will be enough. If the winter transfer market changes Juventus a little bit, then maybe we have a different argument. And we're talking slim margins. If by March... Everything is absolutely powering together at Juventus and they're contenders again. Do I think they'll win it? No, I don't. And even with Ronaldo's goals in the Champions League, no, I, I don't think they've improved sufficiently. I don't think they're good enough in goals, as in their goalkeeper. And I think that Allegri has duffed up two good chances to win the tournament and he's not going to remedy that this season, no. Here comes another returning socio, Miles Channels. Thanks for getting back in touch. Graham, as a fan of the Dutch Ajax school, I'm very excited by this young Ajax side, and particularly Frankie de Jong. There is talk of Barca. In my view, he'd be an ideal replacement for yeah. Busquets. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree that the brand of football I'm watching when I see Ajax is interesting again. I always believed or hoped that the reintegration of senior figures, important figures, whether you know it's been Overmars, who's frankly regarding football as a bit of a hard arse. Edwin van der Sar as general manager and marketing guy. I think they moved Bergkamp on, but David Svignonk was there. Over time, I was a believer that the way in which Bayern Munich re-employ staff of quality who've been their players, it keeps you within the right tram lines. It keeps you with a, you know, a touchstone to return to of ideology and practices. And, and generally, that will help eliminate mistakes. And broadly, I think it improves a club's quality and in, in this instance Ajax is probably beginning to look more buoyant but I have no idea whether they can afford to refuse the offers coming in for the younger players. De Jong when I watch him is, is patently an absolutely exceptional footballer and I remember when Schneider and Van der Bart were coming through they were so talented and so flexible in what they could do that it was really hard for people to understand where their best positions were 
And I think with Frankie de Jong, there is a possibility that the debate might continue as he develops about where he's going to be. Because I've seen him play, and I don't think it's really in the concept of total football, although he's been trained coming through youth football in Holland to be able to play in different positions. I've watched him play at Libero in a back four. I've watched him play in attacking midfield, central midfield. He can certainly play off the striker. So, so talented. And what's more, he certainly has the mentality about what the ball is for, what spaces are for, association with teammates that would have fitted into any football club Barcelona era from 2002-03 onwards until about now. So the debate that you've raised, Miles, needs to include the fact that the director of football, or the general director of football, is a guy called Pep Segura, who, you know, it's, it's beyond baffling to me that you build something beautiful and then you're like, nah, let's break it down and do something else. Pep Segura, when I watch him, that his bet on Paulinho worked because Paulinho is not a particularly technically pretty footballer. There are many things about him that didn't fit into the old Barca ethos whatsoever, but what turned out was, irrespective of the aerial ability and running ability and physical ability that Pep Segura thought he was bringing to the club, Paulinho had an outstanding football brain that immediately meshed with Messi's. So you win that watch, and he's behind the Arturo Vidal signing, and the coach, Ernesto Valverde, is pretty pleased with having Vidal, although the impact about how he plays and what kind of fitness his knee can show over the months, these things are still to be proven. What I'm getting at, Miles, and given how much football you watch and listen to, you must know that Pep Segura's idea is that if you could have 11 Paulinho's at Barca, or 11 Arturo Vidal's, and I'm despondent about that. So if Frankie de Jong's position is at Barca, well, part of that will depend on what Barca football is planned to be played over the next two, three, four, five years. There's a pretty heated debate about, for example, Artur, the young Brazilian who's been brought in, who I happen to know, Xavi thinks, is the most exciting, the most Barca-style midfield footballer anywhere in the world right now. He was the most interesting Barca player during the pre-season tour, and yet, at the moment, he's not getting a sniff of games. So, if I were a young Dutchman at Ajax and looking at Football Club Barcelona, I wouldn't look to the past and look to the Iniesta, Xavi models, Guardiola, Cruyff, Rijkaard. I'd try and cast forward to the future. And what's on the record, Miles, is that Mark Overmars has said, yeah, Barcelona came in in the summer and they fished about and they tried, but they weren't serious enough about the money. Come back when you've got 80 mil to spend. Well, I don't think there's ever been an 80 mil player bought from the Eredivisie and I don't think Barcelona are going to start that trend. I don't think. Is he worth that in today's market? He probably is. Would I buy him? Miles, instantly. Absolutely instantly. There's a bit of overbooking in the Barcelona midfield right now. Let's name them Rakitic, Busquets, Coutinho, Vidal, Arthur, Samper, Sergio Roberto, Carlos Alenia's coming back, Ricky Puig wants to break through. So, it's not a simple answer to your question, Miles. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. 
Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so as you guys know, this season we have been sponsored by Bet365. Hey! And the guys at Bet365 are really interacting. They're a big part of the show and they send their questions in. And strangely, this time, one of our socios seems to have taken it upon himself to file the Bet365 question. Here's Tom Lee who's going to explain it better than I could. Hi, Graham. Tom Lee here. Big interview, Socio. Socio, who likes a bet? Um, so, without further ado, could we please have your best bet on match day one, whatever it might be, home draw away, something more exotic? And also, when you look at the outright prices, the betting for the Champions League 2018-19, uh, who should we be having our cash on and why? And is there a team lurking down the list at bigger prices, maybe 20, 25, 33 to 1, uh, who could be worth a pound or a euro? Thanks, Graham. Good luck. What I'll say is this, the way in which the Champions League is constructed and what the competition has taught us over the years makes me believe that there are probably only three or four teams that can win it this season. Like, for example, running through it, maybe you wouldn't find the odds on Bayern Munich very attractive, Tom. I wouldn't bet on them anyway because I don't think the Bundesliga is a league that teaches you how to win the Champions League anymore. I don't think. It's a procession for Bayern and that's not good enough. Paris Saint-Germain have a similar problem in League One and although... The triumvirate of Cavani and Mbappe and Neymar, and given that Neymar missed a third of the Champions League season, um, or certainly from the defeat at the Bernabeu onwards, they're bedded in. They're going to be more effective. Mbappe is, for me right now, the number one attacking player in the world. Messi's different. I'm not talking about Messi as a striker. Mbappe is and I would take him above anybody right now but the amount they had to spend on his fee and the fact that they were being investigated by UEFA for whether they'd met the criteria of financial fair play means that they've weakened themselves in that a story going I'm not particularly sad about he was lazy and he was vulnerable Lo Celso going on loan I think is a clever idea because he'll get more game time and he needs it but are they stronger are they much firmer in defence or in midfield Tom, I don't think so. You know, they look rampant, scoring without opposition until they're good teams. Bayern Munich in the last group game and then Real Madrid, and they shed eight goals in three games. Well, I do like the fact they've dropped Buffon. Sorry, Gigi, but having looked at Buffon, and my contention is that for a long time, Buffon's sell-by date has expired. And Tuchel's been brave enough to say, Alfonso Ariola is my man. So PSG and Bayern will have a tilt it, but I don't think they'll win it. I don't think Manchester United will win it. In fact, 
they won't win it, as simple as that. And I think that if you want to make Tom start going to teams that I think can win it, the group is tight. Even though they're against the odds because Luis Suarez hasn't scored an away goal in the Champions League for three years, Barcelona won this tournament. Leo Messi wearing the armband for the first time as club captain said, the thing I'm going to promise to try and bring back to you is that beautiful, historic, lovely trophy that we covet and miss so much. And one of the things that has happened at Football Club Barcelona is that they have more resources than when they were trumped at in Paris or in Trino or in Rome and, and pushed about and made it look like eight stone weaklings. It might be too soon for them. Luis Suarez needs to start scoring goals at the highest level. But I think they can win this this season and they want to and that's a big deal. Liverpool can win it. Liverpool have done absolutely outstanding transfer market business in summer, addressed really clinically all the areas in which they were weak last season. A season when they reached the Champions League and on a better night could have won it. Accumulated experience means that they should be there or thereabouts again and they're playing style exactly what the Champions League asked for once they start defending better. Alisson for Carrius is a big, big boost. Keita and uh, Fabinho in midfield boosts again. City are in the pack. I can't quite tell you why I don't believe that they'll win it. But I think that number one, Pep Guardiola will want to win the championship in England again. And number two, I don't think that they've got the exceptional character throughout the team that takes you through brutal games in March and April. That's a suspicion, but they're in my group. I don't think they're going to win it. Real Madrid, we've talked about through Meron's question, and, and they're so good that they should be there or thereabouts. But I think to win four in a row when you've stripped yourself of your talisman goal scorer doesn't happen. Juventus, not good enough. It's as simple as that, not good enough. I kind of think that there's potentially a, a group of three, and they're Liverpool, Barcelona and Manchester City. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Tom. One more to go from this bite-sized Champions League Q&A, and it comes from socio Nick Taylor. He says, after their not-so-great start to La Liga, does Cholo Simeone now prioritise the Champions League, or were Atleti doing that anyway for the final game? No, 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 I can't see it. No, that's not the way he works. You know, his, his whole mantra is one game at a time, one game at a time. When they won the title, we all got a little tired of him saying, you know, focus on the next game only. That's, but it was a truism, not a cliche. It was something that he absolutely not only meant, but he imposed on his staff. Neil, earlier in, in our discussion before we were taping, used somebody approaching something and, and dealing with it in bite-sized chunks break a problem down into bite-sized chunks. Well, Chul Simeone believes in that when he's taking his, his pupils into a new area. Now, I did believe that they were title contenders. I haven't shed myself of that opinion yet. I fully believe that what happened was there was a euphoric atmosphere around the club to begin with. We've kept in. we've kept all that. Look, Griezmann is staying, well, hey confetti everywhere as a phenomenon across the club not just say the transfer market director one of whom they've lost uh, Caminero's moved on Bertie they've kept so to add to that Lamar and Lucas and Griezmann coming back as World Cup winners and what that does to your psyche and, and the time of assimilation that it takes to realise that you're world champions and get out of your system the all summer parting that some of the France squad have exhibited in ways that they won't be proud of. Spurs right now, I don't think, know where their keeper's head is. And that brought a certain sense of euphoria. And then 
you know, they, they do the only thing that Cholo Simeone hadn't done in his entire reign since December 2011, and that it ended the run since 1999 of not beating Real Madrid in the league. Cholo did that. They beat Mourinho's Real Madrid in the cup final on Mourinho's last ever game. They won the Spanish Super Cup against Madrid with Mandzukic's goal at the Calderon. They won the title, yet they kept getting kicked up the arse by Real Madrid in Europe. Two finals, at least one quarter final. Couldn't do it. Then they won the Super Cup and they won it in brilliant, brilliant style. That European Super Cup match was football of extraordinary quality. It's the only time this season that Real Madrid have looked tentative or tired or willing to take a backward step, to be honest with you. And that just, I think, was the drop that spilled the water over the edge. You know, it's a Spartan atmosphere at Leti, at Cerro de Espino, where Aberdeen's assistant coach has been this week watching Simeone and, and Burgos in order to help him complete his pro license. Barry Robson, hello Barry. It is a Spartan atmosphere. It's very intense, it's very focused. There was too much champagne effervescence, not champagne itself, but too many bubbles in the system and I think that they needed to decompress. There's been decompression needed, uh, I think, and, and genuinely, I think that there's a long enough haul left when several teams will trip up the big two such that Aleti aren't out of the title yet at all. And even if they were, no, Simeone wouldn't be like, it's, it's only the Champions League that matters now. He's ferociously competitive, even finishing above Real Madrid uh, last season when Madrid were 17 points behind Barca and Atleti finished second. The only time bar once when they won the title that they've finished ahead of Real Madrid since 1996. That matters to Simeone. So uh, I understand what you're saying, uh, Mr. T, because you're alluding to the fact that because the finals that they won the Metropolitano, there's going to be a gigantic building pressure on Atleti to be there. And although I didn't talk about them before, it's feasible. When they're playing well, really few teams will find it easy not to be beaten by them. They've got good players in every position and extra good players in almost every position. They lack a little bit at right back, that's for sure. But right across the squad, if you say the first choice player is out, the second choice player is playing, you don't panic. So when they find their form and their fitness and they decompress, I think they begin to be a threat again. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if this became a two-trophy season for Cholo Simeone. wouldn't surprise me at all. OK, our clock is ticking. For once, we have done one of these Q&A podcasts with both Graham and I in the same place. That can't continue. Graham has to go to Barcelona. I have to go back to Scotland. We've already said goodbye to Alan Smith, and I really hope that you listen to and enjoy that podcast coming on. For now, Graham Hunter, thank you. Thank you for sending the questions in. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for supporting us. It means an awful lot to us. We should make more of that. We should tell you more often. But, darling, we love you. Thank you, Sergio. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member, and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo, and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football, 
I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.